You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso. It's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. You know I go from rags to riches. Alice Seiler. Hello. <laughs> and Veronica Dashiell. You stole my line. <laughs> no. Hi. Oh, you're going to sing Rags to Riches too? No. <laughs> Alan just said hello. And that's the name of my high. Oh, no. Oh, Sorry. I froze. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Hi. Yeah, welcome back, Alan. Yay. Hey, welcome back, Alan. <laughs> How's everybody doing? I missed you guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch any Star Trek while you were gone? <laughs> no. <laughs> I had to take a break from that nonsense. <laughs> that is incorrect by the way you know that i'm like ready for it yeah, yeah. all right keith do we have any this week in trek this week yeah three quick things because we want to talk to alan about what he's thought about the last few weeks of track i found a couple of these one of them is just personal and a couple of these are kind of cool on the 30th of july 1966 the final draft was delivered for one of my favorite episodes from the original series that has to do with a chair and torture and one's mind being emptied and Kurt getting it on yes, Dagger Christmas. of Mind. That's the one. Yeah. I I love that episode. It's some people say it's kind of not Trek in that it's really an old school mad scientist episode. Like yeah. I, I read a treatment one time where someone said, Well, if the Federation is so perfect, how did you end up with this dude who's like supposed to be the, the foremost authority on mental health in the whole galaxy? And he's a psycho. I mean, he's literally got a, <laughs> right. he's literally got a chamber of horrors, but it's just yeah. a fun episode. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, love that one. Um, this I found really wild. On July 31st, 2013, in a really lavish ceremony at Mission Control in Houston, Texas, the restored version of the model that was the Galileo 7, the full mock-up, was oh. revealed. Yeah. And if y'all have ever seen this, I know you probably have on the internet over the years, you've seen pictures of some of the props from the original series. And yeah. the thing that was the Galileo 7 was pretty much like, I don't know, somebody's yard or something. And it was yeah, pretty it was much like, fall. <laughs> it was like a junkyard. That photos were circulating for years of the Galileo 7 sitting in a junkyard somewhere. Yeah. But I finally got it and restored it. And after a lot of mm-hmm. loving care, they finally unveiled it on July 31st, 19, uh, 2013. And, uh, and, it was one of those things where who knew? I mean, what that's what we say about track. Who knew? And the last thing I want to say that going going back to the who knew, on the first of August, nineteen sixty six, a deal after quite a bit of negotiation was finally settled between Desilu Studios and a company I did not know this was the name Aluminum Metal Toys, AMT. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did not know what that's what that stood for. That was the start of models being produced for the original series. And yeah. once again, who knew? Yeah, I remember as a kid, <laughs> I had a Klingon battle cruiser. I had an Enterprise. Heck, I had an um, Eagle from Space 1999. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Who knew that stuff was going to be so sought after decades later? Yeah, that's one of the great deals in television, I think, that they would build the mock-up for the show and in return get the model rights. And that, I think, worked out great for everybody. Right. Yeah. Right. And that was this week in Trek history. Now, oh. Alan, let's find out what you thought. Yeah. What did you think of the last few weeks, Alan? You missed the last three episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we had last we had two. Three, we had three while you were gone. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, what, Holy what were they? Lower Decks? Cloak yeah, of War? The, the Lower Decks one, the, the Cloak of War one, and uh, what was right before that? The, um, is, it, is that Uhura? The, is that anyway. Uhura? With yeah, the that must have been Uhura and Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. That was what we were hearing the sound that turned out to be the sentient gas or whatever. You don't remember that one? <laughs> I have okay. no memory of that one either. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That was the one, that yeah. was the one where you and I did the show on our own. Oh, and I had a yeah. mental breakdown over Canon problems. That's the one kept hearing the sound and, and then people started hearing the sound and it was making them go crazy. And it turned out right. that mm-hmm. the, the deuterium station in space was basically sucking in sentient gas particles. Oh right. 
Take it away, Alan. <laughs> um, I, I, I've enjoyed this season a lot. Um, I really enjoyed Lost in Translation, but y- y- I'm going to enjoy any episode that Uhura is the focus of. Mm. So, you know, because of that, I, I really enjoyed it. You, you know, the one that I was so looking forward to was the Lower Decks episode, and I absolutely loved every second of it. Um, I was so pleased with the way that it was done, with the way the actors brought their animated characters to life. I mean, everything about it was just fabulous. I, I absolutely loved it. And then, awesome. that, then that Klingon episode, holy smokes. Good God, that was just Deep Space Nine level stuff. I mean, that was yeah. incredible. And I, I've said it at least once before on this show how much more I love Mbenga this season than I did last season. He was a mm-hmm. perfectly fine character last season, but I feel like he has so much depth and texture and layers this season mm-hmm. that we didn't see any of last season. And I love it. Yeah. So three yeah. big wins in, in, in my book. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Was, was there one of those you thought was your, was your fave? Mm, I don't know. I'd have to see them all again. Mm-hmm. Um, I love all of them. They're so different. I love all yeah. of them for a different reason. Um, I'm rewatching them with my partner and we're up to, I think the last one that we haven't seen lost in translation. So the last one that, that we saw, together was the Spock is a human one. Mm. Mm. So the, the, this next batch uh, we're going to be working on hopefully this weekend. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. All right. Well, if you're listening on the audio podcast, let's take a quick break right here and point a fellow ESO network podcast show, but don't go away because when we come back, we'll be talking about subspace Rhapsody. So stay right there. <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe Heath. I'm Tony Heath. And we host the Watchathon or Rassilon. A podcast where we're watching through all of classic Doctor Who. Nope, we've already done that. We did? Well, then now what do we do? What do we two do? We review New Who. Ooh, we two review New Who? We do, just for you. Who? Not you, them, the listeners of the podcast. Ah. The Watchathon of Rassilon. Now we review New Who too. Woohoo! <laughs> Very good. Perfect. Perfect. That's and Alan, everyone's singing but us. We're there's two down. We're the only ones left. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. It's okay, coming. Good. Okay. Uh yes, yeah, so that's spoilers for Subspace Rhapsody from Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And I wanted to jump out first with like the big thing from the episode that's gonna be on everybody's mind. Um, the elephant in the room, which is that they called the Klingon battle cruisers Katinga instead of D7 when the, the D7s <laughs> were from the original series, but the Katingas were from the movie era. So, I mean, did that break Star Trek for everybody? Or- oh my gosh. No. <laughs> okay. no. I, I missed that. that I have my to big takeaway. Wow. I missed let's, it. <laughs> all right, let's get on with the episode. What, what, what did somebody think? It was amazing. Oh, good. Yes. Well, I'm, Veronica, I know you're going to have a lot to say about this, so please mm-hmm. lay it on us. Tell us all your thoughts. Why did and you set it? it? Before you do this, let's, to set it up, your degrees are in theater and performing arts. Yes. You've been watching and performing in musicals since you were a kid. Yeah. Like, you're a, you're a theater kid. Yes. Okay. Yes, I'm very much a theater kid. Spent every summer at the theater from, like, 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Um, wow. Two degrees in theater. Um, wow, I didn't know yeah, this. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I did my first play when I was 11. It was The King and I. Um, but yeah, it was so exciting that they were doing this because that was one of the things when we were doing our, our wrap up um, f- after season one. We we're like, what would you like to see in season two? And I was like, I want a musical episode. <laughs> I got oh, it. you're the one. Yeah. Yeah, the one. <laughs> she, yeah, I don't think she's the one, but yeah, no, no. Um, we were watching the Ready Room, um, right before the podcast actually, and Christine Chong had actually been poking the writers, um, all for all of season one about it, 
um, about doing a um, a musical episode because she's also a musical theater kid. And oh. um, she was actually originally doing musicals professionally. And then she came to TV thinking I can uh, get in on the small screen, get some followers, and then go back to musical theater. So she was so excited about this because this was like 360 for her. Like she came he to TV to be able to get the lead parts in musicals on stage and here she is on TV doing a musical because yeah. that's what this was. It was a full full-fledged musical. It wasn't just randomly breaking into songs. It was a full-fledged musical. Mm. I, I want to say really I want to say really quickly that Christina Chong has released uh, over the past like 2 months three songs, three singles on Spotify and other streaming services with an EP on the way. So it will be out very soon. Um, and last week on Twitter, she said that this is something that she had been wanting to do, like record an album, that kind of thing. And she always sort of lacked the confidence to do it. And it was joining the cast of strange new worlds that gave her the, the strength of character and the confidence to go in and actually write these songs and record these songs and put them out. So that's awesome. And they're really mm -hmm. good songs. So go listen to them. Yeah. 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 I was, I had not um, heard any of those songs prior to hearing her sing on this. So I was really surprised when she started singing. She has such a powerful and beautiful voice with such a, an amazing range. Yeah. It, 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 it really surprised me. And now I'm very excited to hear that this is what she, this is what she did. And she grew up like me as a theater kid. So I'm I'm really excited to deep dive into her. So that's going to be a thing that I'll be doing. <laughs> Veronica, you and you and Christina Chong were born in the wrong time period. You should have been born back in the days of the variety TV show where it was like everybody right. was singing and dancing on everything, laughing and yeah. Sonny and Cher yeah. and Carol Burnett. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget yeah. the Tony Orlando and Dawn show. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but you also have Celia Rose Gooding, who is a yes. Broadway performer. And, yeah. you know, if you're going to do a musical episode, this is a powerhouse cast to mm -hmm. do it with to varying degrees. You know, I don't know how strong a singer um, Melissa is, and she only got a couple of little parts. So maybe she is not as comfortable doing she, it. She, she's a musical theater kid as well. That was in oh. the ready room. She, mm -hmm. she, she oh, grew up in musical theater as well. Yeah. yeah. But I well, think they, they did a good job of of playing to everybody's strengths. Mm -hmm. You know, they gave Babs a couple of lines here and there. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't give him the big soaring number. You yeah. know, Dude. like they did. You know, Dude, my notes I wrote Babs is damn skipping at the end of the episode. <laughs> so yeah, I could tell he wasn't a theater kid, right? <laughs> or music theater kid. Let me take yeah. that back. <laughs> well, Alan, you went to school for a music degree, unless I'm mistaken, the music school, and you're a working musician. What 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 did you, wow. what did you think of the songs in this? Um, let's, let's just say that I am like not a particular fan of musicals. Okay. I hope, I hope our friendship is still intact, Veronica. <laughs> really? Uh, she's married to me and I'm not, so that's fine. <laughs> okay. There you go. Um, I, I have I seen, not. I have Sorry. seen musicals that I've liked, you know, mm -hmm. like rent and mm -hmm. chess. I, mm -hmm. I really enjoyed those. And then, you know, a couple of the, um, you know, this, this kind of doesn't count, but like the jukebox musicals, like Mamma Mia, you know, um, but things that were crafted to be musicals with original, uh, scores and everything, uh, there, I haven't really done that much of them, you know? And, um, so as far as the songs go, okay. So we should say that the, the songs for this episode were written by Kay Hanley and Tom, uh, uh, Pulse of the band letters from Cleo. Oh. So that's pretty awesome. And I only learned today that uh, they, well, she and another co-writer that she works with write all the music for the, the cartoon doc McStuffins. Huh. So this is not her first foray into scoring for television. Okay. Which I didn't awesome. know. So, um, yeah, so Letters to Cleo is a band that I am for, sort of familiar with and never really followed much of until they did an appearance on Parks and Recreation, hmm. my favorite television show ever. Anyway, um, that, that that does not answer your question in any way at all. <laughs> um, I mean, it's fine for what it is. Okay. Veronica, what did you think 
of the songs, the way they're, they're structured, the way that they, I'll tell you one thing. I thought they did a superb job of character development Mm -hmm. and um, internal dialogue. And you got to see uh, insights into the, the main characters that got a lot of, you know, like a solo song. I, I thought in that sense, those songs worked beautifully. They, they all felt like musical yeah. songs. They didn't feel like pop songs, didn't feel like country songs, uh, with the exception of the Klingon song. That's why I said there's one that felt like a pop song. <laughs> um, yeah. But they, they, they all had a very musical theater feel mm-hmm. to me. Oh, yeah, which definitely. I really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're, like you're saying, they did a good job of hanging the gimmick around, like using it to build the characters. And I said the same thing in our, um, uh, our Boimler episode discussion, uh, those old scientists, they did a great job of using Boimler to inform all the character arcs that we've been watching this season and his knowledge of the future. And then the yeah. same thing here of really advancing the character arcs that we've been watching for this season. Yeah. I think that overall, this whole season, they did, they've done a really good job, I think, of writing the character arcs across the episodes. Yes. And, you know, building those stories while the different, you know, Star Treks of the week are going on. My only small complaint is I wish they had worked some bossy moves into Chapel's number because I felt like <laughs> I don't it, know what that means. So, <laughs> so the people who are theater people will know that, but Bob Fosse was uh, very big in the sixties and seventies as a choreographer. Okay. Um, so there's it's a specific style of dance. Okay. Um, oh, that jazz. It, yeah. Um, if you see it, and I'd be like, "That's Fosse," you'd be like, "Oh, okay." Um. But the tone of that song and the feel of that of chapels? song. What? Of Chapel's song? Yes, of Chapel's song. Um, really felt brought Fosse into mind. So I wish there had been some like Fosse-esque that's, moves and not just general jumping around dancing stuff. That, that song brought Peggy Lee to my mind. Um, <laughs> I don't know anything about the choreography and stuff, but I was, I was really surprised by Chapel. I wasn't ready for that at 4.30 this morning. <laughs> I thought it was a very memorable number. <laughs> Oh, we lost you, Alan. You don't have any. You're, you're muted. Keith, <laughs> what did you think? I, I um, really, before you go, go I just want to say that uh, I just had a little disaster where my mic went kaflui. Anyway, I'm fixed now. Oh. But I wanted to say I know what the Fosse reference was. I okay. Oh, good. I'm all with you. All right, now, okay. Keith. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Ironically, this may or may not be um, what people wouldn't expect i'm a huge fan of musical theater and musicals so oh. i'm very well familiar with with fossey as a matter of fact if you've ever seen the the, the movie conan barbarian with arnold schwarzenegger mm-hmm. um his lover valeria i forget the actress name veronica you may know she's a bob, a bob fossey veteran oh. and if you watch her fight on the show you can see she kind of sort of has dance moves that she's doing course sword moves <laughs> she was actually trained uh, to the bob fossey like jazz like yeah. I was like, bit. I don't know how he's going to connect Conan <laughs> to Fosse. I just yeah, don't know where go. this is going. He Deep got cut. there. <laughs> this is so funny. Michael Phillips and Bandy Beth in our Facebook. Well, Michael Phillips put a post in where he basically said uh, he was like basically hating it. And then like 10 minutes in, he's like, dude, just give up the, the grumpy old man routine and just go with the silliness. Yeah. And Bandy Beth asked me that I like it because I said I need to be high to watch it. And coming in through, I enjoyed it. It was fun and it made me laugh. And literally, this is funny. The things I didn't like about it are the things I continue not to like about Strange New Worlds. I was fine with them laughing. It was Kirk being on the ship that pissed me off. <laughs> well, it we was, know that. Come yeah, on. <laughs> exactly. And so it was Spock and Chapel's love affair that pissed me off. And it was... Uh, it was, and I literally wrote the note while they're singing. I'm writing, Jesus Christ, Kirk had a, was flirting with Khan's great, 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 whatever. And then in the original series, he won't recognize him up front. But outside of that, I had a good time. It was fun. It, I did something real quick. Bear with me real quick. Because I, despite what I sometimes may say, I'm not the guy who hates something before I go in. I give everything a chance. And there are people who just hate stuff. So I didn't actually go in when I heard a musical episode. I didn't instantly go, I'm going to hate this. I'm like, well, let me see what happens. I made a quick listening. Um, the Naked Time, Charlie X, The Conscious of the King, I Mud, Deep Space Nine, Babel or Babel, Move Along Home, Deep Space Nine, Dramatis Personae, um, Voyager, Virtuoso, Original Series, The Way to Eden. Those were all Star Trek episodes from the classic period where they had singing and silliness 
or people's minds were changed. Do you remember the Deep Space Nine episode where they every time they spoke, they say stuff like shovel in the kitchen, microwave, donut. Yep. <laughs> Case yep. in point, move along home. Almiran, one, two, three, Almiran. It, it's <laughs> it's okay. It's yeah. okay. I I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, the things I don't like about Strange New Worlds, I continue not to like. But I enjoyed this. Uh, but I, I got to say, I busted a gut at the end when Babinga looked like he was truly skipping. <laughs> and I tried not to laugh. But when Spock kind of ran toward the screen and did the thing at the end, I lost it. <laughs> that was just so stupid. I had to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, but it's so close. Oh, wait. Yeah, exactly. I'm not doing anything. Maybe if I participate, we'll get that last little right. two that we need. Right. right. <laughs> and he put barely any effort in, as you could tell. Because I, I know... I th- the little bit that I've interacted with Ethan Peck, um, uh-huh. I feel like he would have like flung himself into it as himself, mm-hmm. but he he definitely flung himself into it as much as Spot could fling mm-hmm. himself into it. <laughs> and I give them credit because y'all know as I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a lifelong fan of astronomy and cosmology and stuff, so I often talk about the science. So when they literally said that when they sent when sh- when um what's the engineer's name and I should know. Carol Talia. Talia, when she said send a song in, I'm like, that makes no sense. It's just music. It's still language. It doesn't matter. And so then when they came back and they got programmed, I'm like, this makes no sense. I'm babbling about quantum reality, music. <laughs> Literally, at the end of the day, music and voice and speaking are not, they're really the same thing. But then when they threw in this thing about, well, they hit a quantum reality where everybody speaks a song. It's like, well, damn. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. It's, it's an incredible Star Trek trope. Oh, you had to throw okay. away all your notes and everything. That's yeah. terrible. <laughs> I, what can I say? There's a quantum reality where everybody sings. Like, okay, I'll go with that. <laughs> the funny thing, though, is that, you know, normally in a musical, the music isn't acknowledged or referenced. Right. In this yeah. one, the, the the characters clearly heard music starting to play yes. when they were going into their song. Yeah. And I thought that yes. was a really interesting touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very unexpected. Yeah. yeah. And and they also add this other little touch, Alan, where because I was I was kind of noticing that too. And then they added that weird at the end when they get ready to do big finale, I was like, Lord, please don't do a big finale. And so I wrote in my notes, <laughs> well, why don't they just program the ship's computer systems to play music? And then they said, well, basically, this quantum reality, you basically have to feel the emotion. You have to have emotion. He's like, okay, well, there goes recorded music. So I agree <laughs> with you. They covered yep. every base to make this make sense in the silliness that it was. Yeah. So in in them having it make sense in the silliness, mm-hmm. you can't um, not reference um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer once more with feeling. Okay. Oh, yeah. One of the very first comments that we got in from one of the viewers, and we got a stack of them that we need to get yeah. to pretty soon. Um, okay. Jay says, I've got a theory. It could be bunnies, but at least it's not a triple. I just want to say my fate. There was a lot of things that I, <laughs> even though I'm not a big musical fan, there was a lot of things that I enjoyed about this episode. My favorite thing was them saying bunnies. Bunnies made me yes. so happy. Yes. Like, yes. I've I've not watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I've never seen Once More with Feeling. What? But that Neither. line that line from Mbenga was probably the funniest line in the episode. The way he <laughs> delivered, I'd rather not be a bunny. Yes. <laughs> that Especially... was right up there. That was right up there with, with Worf. I am not a merry man. Yeah, that's right? what I was thinking. <laughs> Especially Charles, considering what Mbenga did just a week ago. Right. Yeah. Now right. About, so I know I'm getting scared. I'm like, well, if he sees a bunny, is he gonna slay it? I mean, you know. <laughs> Right. Well, do we want to hit some comments? Yeah. Why don't we? Dan so Leckie right says. Get to the comments. I just want to say that I have started doing TikTok and I made a little TikTok video this morning exactly about bunnies. So find me on TikTok, Daba Woman 8. Now, awesome. now comments. Okay. <laughs> okay. Dan says people have been calling Subspace Rhapsody Star Trek's first ever musical episode, but they seem to be forgetting stuff like The Way to Eden. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, well, I mean, way to Eden, they well, sing the episode, but the episode itself, I wouldn't call a musical. Yeah. They're not yeah. moving the story along with the music in the same way. Yeah, there's no full length musical in Star Trek right. history, but there are there are right. ones with lots of music and right. silliness. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I Mud competes with this one for silliness. Well, <laughs> yeah. DS9 is known for being the darker of the classic Trek series, and they all turn into James Bond characters one time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. you go. That's another good one. Yeah. Dan also says that Henry Alonzo Myers 
was really keen to do a musical episode. The concept of a Star Trek musical episode dates back to Next Generation, which I knew, and Picard Season 1, which I didn't know. Mm. I know they there was a lot of talk around it, like from fans and stuff. Uh, right. In early Discovery, because so many Discovery actors are like famous yeah. musical people. Mm-hmm. Right. But and you and know the, that's go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was gonna say it is also it, again. It's not without precedent because remember that Michelle Nichols had quite a few musical numbers in the original mm-hmm. series. Charlie's right. Charlie's our new Dolly, which pissed off Charlie X, or when Tom and Riley was getting whatever the Formula Four Hundred Nine putting his milk when she was singing to him. So she's <laughs> she's done some stuff. Um, I was just gonna respond to something Charles was saying. Now I don't remember what Uh-oh. the hell I was. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, oh, 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 I know. As I was watching this episode today, I was thinking, you know, you can see uh, Lower Decks does all kinds of stuff that breaks its own formula, and they will just do whatever yeah. they want. The the uh, Strange New Worlds formula lets you do things like this. Mm-hmm. I cannot see this ever having happened in Discovery. No, no. because this, it, the show it, doesn't allow it. No, no, exactly. No. And and that's one of the beauties yeah. of doing this more episodic kind of thing is that you mm-hmm. have the freedom to do these experimentations, these, you know, throw a wrench in the works kind of episodes. Right. And that would never have happened on. Yeah. And I can't see it happening in Picard either. Well, when Star Trek came back in 2017, it seemed to me like there was the attitude that old Star Trek was cheesy. So right. let's make it super serious, super gritty. Yeah. And that carried through early dis- early discovery and even into current discovery, but also throughout Picard. And I feel like it was Lower Decks that popped that bubble. Yeah. They're like, oh, Star Trek can be fun. Yeah. <laughs> and Strange New Worlds has really run with that. And I love that we're to the point now where we're doing episodes like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's see. Dan also says many of the roles that Christina Chong has played in other productions have failed or unrequited romances, much like what she's doing here with uh, Paul Wesley's Kirk this season. Interesting. Okay. Um, let's see. Tiger Blade 2002 says Wayne was texting me. It was a blast. <laughs> I knew Bob Fosse was going to come up. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, Earlier in the conversation, Matt says, Han shot first last week, now Conan the Barbarian this week. Keith and his connections. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I did the Star Wars reference last week. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Matt also says, it does feel like they're really just making up reasons to get Kirk back on. Hey, man, bro. It's about like when Worf would just turn up like an insurrection and be like, (laughs) hey, Worf's here. Why? Who cares? (laughs) And you remember like the, the third one where um Worf comes on and they're like, Worf, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I was. And then Picard says, we don't have time for that right now. We got things to do. And it's like, right. they didn't even bother to write an explanation. Like, <laughs> That's like, great. Jesus, they're not even trying anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah, it does feel that way with Kirk. Yeah, it really does. Let's see. Wayne says, uh, anyone familiar with the John Ford novel, How Much for Just the Planet? Or plant, mm-hmm. as he says. Yeah. yeah. But we know it's planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that a long time ago. Me too. I don't remember anything about it. Um, Dan says, I also watched Subspace Rhapsody with an open mind. It couldn't have disappointed more, though. Terrible episode. Oh, I disagree. <laughs> wow. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a musical theater person. Yeah. I get drugged to a lot of them. We have like season passes for the Fox because <laughs> of her. <laughs> But I, I thought this was delightful. I had a great time watching this episode. Yeah. 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 So, Dan, did you not like the concept or you did not like the music itself? Well, he, he will answer that in a minute, I'm sure. Dan says, Spock asks what frequency a particular song had. Surely he should know that a song is a mix of frequencies, not just one. That's exactly what I was thinking. Every mm-hmm. instrument, every voice has a, a totally different frequency to it. It, the difference in range is a different frequency. It it it, it made no sense. Yeah, it's the very definition of harmonics. I agree. Right. Yeah. Uh, he says we'll have to agree to disagree about something. Uh, I definitely consider Way to Eden a musical episode. So you didn't like that one either, Dan? I guess. Well, he's saying that. Well, we, no. Uh, yeah, we pointed out that. I mean, I did, I would say that that's not a musical episode. And he's yeah. Disagreeing. Right. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and he says. 
I found it interesting to learn today that the first musical episode in history was an I Love Lucy episode starring Lucy Ball, who was instrumental in the creation of Star Trek, even though she admittedly didn't understand what it was about. Hmm. Okay. I didn't know that. That makes sense. If you look at Lucille Ball's history before she became Lucille Ball, she's in a whole bunch of musicals and, and comedies and stuff. Mm-hmm. She has a just a huge filmography before the I Love Lucy show. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. So I mean, let's talk about some, some of these specific characters. Um, yeah, I guess the the big thing is that I mean, for me, is that Chapel got uh, the acceptance from Roger Corby for yeah, that yeah, yeah. That's yeah. We're getting some she movement on that little... plot line. Yeah, yeah, she already has a little hero worship of him too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What I, what I found really interesting is that the way that she and Spock kind of ended their thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like you know this this season Spock has been sort of leaning into his emotions a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think that this is going to be the thing that yep. brings him more to the Spock that we think of in right. uh, the original series. I think this is, he says at the end of the episode, how much he hurts. He is going to, anytime we're, anytime anyone is hurt, they go into protective mode. He is going to lean into the pure logic from this point on and become that Spock that, that's, you know, traditional Spock. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly if she comes back from this fellowship engaged. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That might put a damper on a romance. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe he's engaged already, so yeah. who knows? <laughs> also, speaking yeah. of speaking of you know uh, romantic entanglements, I did not expect to get a Carol Marcus reference this week. I, yeah, I, I didn't that think we'd get was, it this week. Yeah, I was just saying on our group recently that that's all coming. Like I, they're not oh, holding yeah. anything back on this canon stuff. But yeah, they, this, this <laughs> was the week we got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was really cool to hear that. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, I, I like the way that they have played the the uh, I'm, I'm going to say Chong, Christina Chong's character, um, Laon and, and the Kirk connection. I think that they, you know, she had the thing with the alt Kirk. She, you know, kind of had a an exchange with the real Kirk. Now the real Kirk is here and she spills her guts. I knew you once before, but it wasn't you. And I liked the way he looked at me and, you know. And then he's like, "Sorry, babes, I got a, I got a kid on the way." Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Babes, and he's going to be in a way. future movie, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like the way they played her in this episode too—that she was ostensibly concerned about, you know, people blurting out security secrets. Mm-hmm. But we all know that you know, she personally has reasons that she doesn't want to, yeah, blurt out a lot of information as well. But I like that she tackled that head on and just was like, "I got to stop, you know, pussyfoot around this and just go tell him." Before I start yeah. singing about it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dan's... I also really. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go. I, ahead. I also really liked how she, she was the only one that went over and like cut off Pike when he was yes. singing. Well, Horror should have already hit that button. Yeah, I literally didn't right. get that either. I, mean, I kept right. thinking somebody cut cut it off. Cut it off. <laughs> oh God. This. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Dan's comment is. The songs are so plot driven, whereas I think they should have gone a bit more for a timelessness quality. They did some of that with Uhura singing about how she connects people. So that was nice. Um, on that, I, I, first of all, that's how that's how musicals work. The 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 songs are plot driven, plot driven yeah. and character driven. That's what makes that's, it a musical. Yeah. Um, but when they were doing the Uhura song about connections, I was thinking, how fabulous would it be to see Celia Rose Gooding, or as I call her, CRG, do (laughs) a concert where she does some of her Broadway stuff and, you know, throws one of these Star Trek songs now that she has in her repertoire as as part of the concert. And I think it would be just fabulous. Anyway, he also says that he liked the K-pop Klingons, which I thought was hilarious, and the Carol reference. So I didn't I didn't take them as K-pop. I I took them as oh, NSYNC. Yeah. But apparently yeah, that's what they that's were supposed true. to be. They were very boy bandish. Boy band. Yeah. Yes. That, that was I felt like this whole episode was sort of teetering right along the edge of just falling into parody. And then that last musical number, they're like, F it and just went over this. Because that was 
yeah. that was one bit where I felt like this is like a Star Trek parody with the little moving That's chair what, and they're doing dance yeah. moves with their daggers. I felt the same way because I was kind of thinking whatever this quantum reality was, I, I was thinking if they're Klingons, they should have been still singing some kind of battle song or a funeral dirge or right. that horrible opera that Worf listens to. So I agree with you, Charles. At that point, that kind of took me yeah. out of it, too. It um, is funny, though. Yeah, I will agree with that. And I did like earlier in the episode there. They refer they wanted to blow this thing up because it is like stolen their honor. Yes. yes. And I like that. It's kind of kind of triples ish where like the, the Klingons got turned into a boy band and now they're going to blow this thing up. Yeah, they're probably going to delete all records on that ship. There's no way they're going to let that get out. They're all going to have to like ritualistically <laughs> kill themselves next. <laughs> yep. Elaine loves that they brought Bruce Horak back as a Klingon, mm-hmm. which I loved as well. He was wonderful in those scenes. And yeah. she also would like to know if we had a favorite song from this episode. I loved the special theme and Uhura's final solo number. Yeah, we had talked to that beforehand. Um, yeah. My favorite song was actually the one that Ethan Peck spoke, uh, sang about his broken heart. Okay. Which, which is ironic because I really hate that plot line, but <laughs> right. I like, and he wasn't the best singer. That's obviously, what'd you call her, uh, uh, Alan? CRG? CRG. Yeah, he wasn't the best singer, but I actually liked that song, which is funny because I don't like the plot, but I actually like that song, which is funny. So I kind of enjoyed that. Hmm? Which is actually a reprise of Chapel's song, because if you listen to it, it had it's the same song. No, Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. If you listen to it and it they're they're basically connected and it's basically a reprise of 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 her song. And Chapel's song was was my favorite. Mine too. Really? I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. yeah, I I I like chapels like for one because it was very surprising, but also yeah, just I'm not I'm more into like jazzy bar numbers than <laughs> mm-hmm. musical theater generally. But I also mm-hmm. really enjoyed um uh sort of uh, Una's sort of Pirates of Penzance ish. Um, yeah, her little <laughs> dance with Kirk. Yeah, yeah that I thought was that was fun. I thought that was good. When when Una is doing the song talking to Laon, mm-hmm. why did the gravity go off? She turned it off. She turned it off. I know, that but why? Also, so they could spin around. Oh, well, God. it's that yeah. it's that quantum reality. See, I wonder <laughs> if I wonder if they did it just because of that. That's silly. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice buddy, any plot reason for that to happen. No, it, not at all. My buddy Rob reality. Levy says, "I loved how bonkers and wonderful it was. It was a nice deviation." Mm-hmm. And uh, hi, Rob. Rob is one of the co-hosts of the Modern Musicology podcast. So hey, Rob. Maybe, maybe yeah. Modern Musicology will do an episode about <laughs> Strange New Worlds as musical. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, um, and I, I, I agree with him. I think it's, 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 it's nice that Star Trek can do that. It's like with DS9 when they would throw a baseball episode in the middle of the Dominion War. You know, <laughs> it, 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 it breaks it up. It you know, shifts gears in the ups in the season. And I think that's, that's nice. Last week we had, mm-hmm. you know, the, the heavy Klingon episode next week we got, you know, the heavy Gorn episode. I right. think it's nice to have the, the musical right in between them. Can you and imagine discovery in the middle of like the space anomaly, just like going off to play baseball in a holodeck. Right. <laughs> and, and, and thinking back to what you're saying, Charles, deep space nine, probably the darkest of all the series. They had a 1960s lounge singer, Vic Fontaine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I never thought would work. And what yeah, a great character right. he is. Oh my gosh, and they would have a whole episode where they're trying to like fight gangsters in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Dan says Spock's song is called I'm the X. That's the um, one. Yeah. That's the whereas Chapel's song is called something else, but they are connected. And mm-hmm. I want to say, so uh, I'm the X. The, the song mm-hmm. was sort of about solving equations. And instead of using the word Y, he would they, he would use the letter Y because that's like X solving for Y, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's the X, you know, the X mm-hmm. in the relationship, but the letter X in the equation. And I thought that was some clever writing. Yeah. That I was really, really not. well done. Holy crap, I didn't catch any of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's deep. I didn't catch that. I just, yeah. I, I like the song. And I guess in my notes, I wrote, it was so, I said, I really can't stand the plot with Chapel, but I like this song. And it actually mm-hmm. affected me. And he, I knew he wasn't going to be the greatest <laughs> singer, but you don't ever have to be the greatest <laughs> singer to have a good performance. No, yeah, he put it himself very well, I thought. Yeah, he really uh, did. Like, yeah. too. I mean, neither of them are, like, you've got the Celia Rose Gooding and Christina Chong, and yeah. they had the big, <laughs> 
soaring numbers. Oh, I thought Christina Chong's number was amazing. That were, that was that was great. That was a great song, and so was yeah. Celia Rose Gooding's. Yeah. Well, yeah. again, if you're of a certain age, I grew up in the age of Carol Burnett and Flip mm -hmm. Wilson and everything else. And most actors back then were trained to sing and dance. But they weren't great singers and dancers. They were just trained. Yeah. So yeah, I I enjoy that. Um, I I enjoyed his performance, and I know nothing. I actually, honestly, I've been watching. No lie, I've been watching Strange New Worlds first season for quite a bit before one of y'all told me he was um, Gregory Peck's grandson. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that. So I literally know nothing about his talent or anything like that. Yeah, and I kind of like to go in blind like that. It was it was affecting. It was mm -hmm. affecting what he did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I thought throughout, I thought I thought everyone acquitted themselves well. Yeah. You know, I didn't think anyone came out there and embarrassed themselves but they did a good job like i said of working the musical numbers to the different folks strengths yeah you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I i've also noticed that it tends to be a trend um when you to get to a certain level in mm -hmm. tvs and movies you have to be a triple threat you're almost everyone that at that level is a triple threat it's pretty rare that you can get to that level without being able to sing and dance and act and do them all pretty well. Even nowadays, that's actually yep. still the case. Oh, it, it's, it's, it, it has seemed to me to be the case. Uh, it may not, okay. It's not always the case. Obviously, uh -huh. there are quite a few exceptions. Uh -huh. But a lot of the time, you're more likely to find a triple threat than not. That's good, because when I was growing up, you people, both movie stars and TV stars, absolutely were expected to be triple threats for that very reason. So I yep. didn't know that. That's actually cool. And like in old, old days, like you basically had to ride a horse to be an actor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And sword so that fight. Means, <laughs> right. That means that that um, Anson Mount, he's got all the bases covered. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It, it pisses me off when I find out that somebody who is an extremely good actor and you never hear them sing and then you hear them sing and they've got the this, this stellar voice. I'm like. Why? Why do you have all the stuff? Yeah, and, and, right. And, I don't, and you're good looking too. And you're, you're right. And you've got the great hair. Ugh. Right. Because I mean, I would love to. I I feel like I'm like a great singer trapped in a body who can't sing. You know. Me I can carry a tune, but I don't have a good voice or anything. It's funny like, you say that, Alan, because way back on Deep Space Nine, when Avery Brooks first sang, hmm. so many people didn't know his background. They didn't know yeah, that he, right. has, he has a background in music, and so I remember whatever it was, bulletin boards, whatever it was back then, people were going, holy crap, did you hear Avery Brooks? Because right. nobody knew the guy was a professor of music at Rutgers right. and that this man can sing and has done oh, it yeah. in movies yeah. and stuff. He's great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Matt says, if Strange New Worlds could do 26 episodes uh, per season, they could do all kinds of crazy things. Yeah, yeah they could. Uh, agreed. Yeah, you I need to stop making those crazy costumes. <laughs> they do go. They, they had a speech around the, about the costumes of the ready room that we were just watching. And they still go like, they do things in the costumes that are never going to be visible on no. screen. Right. Like, you're, you're burning no. money. No. Um, right. I mean, maybe if I was like walking around interacting, I might like yeah. see the metallic tint to the fabric of this character. I'm not going to notice that on the screen. I am not. I can guarantee yeah. you. I mean, there are people that are going to look at the costumes. But ninety percent of the people are not looking that closely at the costumes. Yeah. Right. I, I know right. they've they've got a four K proof them, and because mm -hmm. it's pretty common now for people to have giant four K screens in their in their rooms. So mm -hmm. I, I get it has to be higher uh, quality, but they 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 pride themselves in things that I don't think they're ever going to be noticed by anybody. No, not until um, they put them on the ready room. <laughs> yeah, and talk about Matt was talking about crazy episodes. I think if their intent was to top the fairy tale episode last year, I think that was yes. resoundingly successful. I think this is a much more successful episode for me than the. Fairy yeah, it's funny you say that because I that the fairy tale episode is the only one of the series I don't like. I mean, I actively will never watch again. Right. And but again, I didn't go into this one going, "Oh, great, another fairy tale." I just was an open mind, and I absolutely yeah. I enjoyed it. And I find it very interesting. My wife, my wife who grew up with, she's the only girl with six brothers, and now she's married to me. And so her entire life, she's watched cartoons and science fiction and Star Trek and stuff. So she is a fan. She's not obsessive like I am. She laughed and laughed the whole time. Oh, and she, yeah, in a good she way? Had, yeah, in a good way. She thought oh, it good. was just so funny. A couple of times I was like, holy crap, I can't believe this. And she was just, she had a great time. So, yeah. I, you know, I can't fault him for that. Yeah. Maybe next year we'll get a puppet episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yes. The, the puppet oh. reality. Well, I wouldn't put it know. past them. Now, if you've opened the door to all these quantum realities, why not? Yeah. 
Right. Wow. Wouldn't that be cool? I want to be a puppeteer on Star Trek. Just saying. (laughs) They can afford better puppeteers. (laughs) (laughs) But we already have a Spock puppet. Yeah. Well, that's right. Right. Hey, Charles, you mentioned that the. uh, I'm sorry, Charles, you mentioned that the show was threatening to go off the rails a couple of times. When they kind of said the anomaly was spreading across subspace to other ships. I was yeah. like, oh no, it's gonna it's gonna hit Starbase and everybody's gonna be singing. I was getting really nervous how far that was going. It's a shame we didn't get to see Admiral April. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he has good baritone, right? Right, apparently. <laughs> Speaking of other ships, we finally have a first name for Captain Battelle. Yeah. She's Marie. So what do you think? She's getting eaten by getting by Gorn next week? Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Dan says, whatever happened to Spock's loot from earlier in the season, it would have been cool if they, if it had returned this episode. I am very much looking forward to next Good season, point. seeing a scene where they're in the mess hall and he has his loot and Uhura sings. Yeah. yeah. She can sing want. a song from this episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then Michael Phillips says, I'd like the crazy episodes to stop altogether unless they do get a 26 episode season. No, I I like the the the, the bonkers Star Trek episodes. Uh, and like next gen and DS9 and shows like that, they had it sort of built into the premise where you could have Q show up and do that and everyone's yeah. singing. Or a holodeck thing. Holodeck, or, right. You know, like Strange right. New Worlds is kind of like the original series and that they have to invent a reason every time. But I, I actually I think that's good. I think that's I think that's good. I, that's a good that's a good thing. Even if it's a CGI what's it. And there's been a lot of CGI what's it this year. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Speaking of CGI, what's it? I really enjoyed um, in the finale when um, the Enterprise is flying and the the Klingon ships were like swirling around it. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> that was another thing for me where it was like they've stopped worrying about going exactly. Too far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically they... a ship dance number. Yeah, yes, like if, they if, get the sparkles. If you're not with us by this point, you better just get off this train, <laughs> right? I the, the Klingons almost almost killed me. The, the the Klingon when I saw that, oh my god, that almost killed me. That was wild. It yeah. it kind of did me, even though I enjoyed it. I thought it was yeah. cute. I, I just mm-hmm. feel like okay. So uh, like a couple of weeks ago, when Vandy Beth was on, she said something about the Spock being human episode was just a gimmick. Yeah, and I felt that too. A musical episode to me is the gimmickiest gimmick you can possibly do. And, mm-hmm. and I just, I would rather them not have done it. I enjoyed mm-hmm. what they did, but I just don't want a Star Trek musical episode. The The good thing about it having been done is that now we don't have to ever worry again about whether they're going to do it. It's, it's right. already happened. Unless they um, do a puppet. Now you got to worry about them trying to top it. Well, and but so I was kind of even though I don't really enjoy musicals and (laughs) a Star Trek musical, I I I was going along with it. I was perfectly fine. We we got great character revelations, you know, good development and all that kind of stuff. But then when it got down to the damn Klingons going K-pop, I was like, (laughs) "Come on!" And then the ship dance number was just like, "Oh God, we got to stop this." Yeah, yeah. The 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 actual finale was a little over the top because I'm the same as you guys. At that point, I thought, "Well, now you really are really pushing it really really hard." And then the Klingons is a little much for me. But then do that because it's the finale. The finale is supposed to be over the top. Well, yes. right, right. But it was but, a finale so that we get to 344, whatever the hells we're talking about. And I don't even know what they're talking about, but it was, I don't know. Oh, it was something, it was, it was something like gigawatts or gigawatts. That's what I was thinking. Gigahertz. Yeah. yeah. It was something goofy. They were, they were yeah. basically overloading the uh, subspace thingamajiggy. Yeah. It, the science don't work, but hey. No. Well, yeah, <laughs> well this is not an episode about science. Keith, yeah. Right? <laughs> Yeah, they, I mean, they, they deliberately went over the top in that finale. Yeah. But by that point, I was with them. I really enjoyed this episode. Really? And I mean, this, this is what I think that I mean, I think every Star Trek convention until the end of time is going to have a sing along yes. with, with this episode. Mm. 100%. 100%. Um, I used to be a part of a not who Lanta. I used to be a part of a different convention here in Atlanta. And there was a, a couple of years in a row that I wanted so badly to stage a version of the Buffy musical. And yeah. we had Amber Benson as a guest one time. And I was like, Holy, we've got to do the Buffy wow. musical and see if we can get Amber Benson to sing with us. And, and we never did it. And it, yeah. so, you know, at this point, somebody, somebody is going to stage a version of the Star Trek musical. 
Yeah. I'm sure or, that they're already working on it for Dragon Con or, because they do the Buffy Horror musical. Uh, they, mm, they took a break for a yeah. couple of years, but they, they've been doing the Buffy Horror Picture Show for a couple for a while. Or even just screen the episode with like the, the words on the screen. And so yeah. the audience can, yeah. can come and, and sing along with it. I think this is going to be like a convention staple. Yeah, uh, maybe I just uh, I'm sorry. I just don't think the songs were as memorable or as catchy as the Buffy ones. OK, I, I will agree. The Buffy ones were a lot more memorable. Yes. Yes. I, I just found some of the like melodic structures of some of these songs to be a little. I don't know. They just didn't <laughs> flow like they could have. But, yeah. you know. We've, we've had I, the Buffy musical for 15. I'm talking about in the in the immediate, like at that time, they seemed more yeah. memorable than these songs now do. Oh, got a couple of comments. But, Go ahead, Keith, and then I'm going to get. Yeah, a I was going to say it's funny how songs become memorable because I mm -hmm. I can I can recite songs from memory from um, the way to Eden because they're so bad, you know, like gonna crack my knuckles and jump for joy got a clean bill of health from dr mccoy and then that right right that horrible that scene where they knocks out the whole crew and he's just going out to eden yeah brother I mean, it's so bad it stays with you so i think these were perfectly acceptable musical theater songs but yeah. you know they, they weren't so excellent that you remember them. they weren't so kind of crazily horrible that you remember them yeah they're just good yeah i've never even yeah. seen the buffy episode so i couldn't tell you okay you have to go watch it you have to yes I mean, watch it. you have to watch the entire series so you'll know the characters. So when they sing about stuff, you'll anyway. The, um, the Charles face guys are saying it all. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> Michael Phillips says the big gimmick episode this season was those old scientists. A gimmick episode isn't something like Spock being human because he didn't need to be human for the plot to unfold the way it did. But he kind of did. Um, it just spiced things up. Um, Dan says, this is strange new world's Spock's brain. Such a clunker. You know, you it's, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, if you're going to, uh, I was going to say real quick, I think if we have between us and our guests and Facebook people, if you have 20 people opine, we have 20 different opinions about this series. <laughs> yeah. It is amazing. I don't think yep. any one of us is exactly the same in what we like and mm -hmm. dislike. Okay. Elaine says, ooh, can you imagine watching this episode at a convention Rocky Horror style? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Going to happen. Guaranteed. <laughs> Throwing Bert toast um, at the screen. <laughs> Dan says, in the modern TV era, apparently Xena was first to do a musical episode before Buffy. Oh, I forgot Xena did a musical episode. Well, when did um? What's the comedian named Drew Carey did a musical episode that became that was actually mm, Drew did. Drew yes. Carey, yeah. You're absolutely right. I'd forgotten about that one too. And Eric Watts says, "I loved it. I have thoughts. Yes, we love Fosse. <laughs> All the songs were great. I have thoughts about construction of the lyrics that would probably be lost on this audience, but I appreciated what I heard." Am hey. I the only one who noticed the Gilbert and Sullivan overtones of Una and Kirk's duet? No. Mm -mm. Yeah, I the very, that. the very yeah. model of a modern major first officer. Yes. <laughs> Loved the vocalizations of the opening theme. Would have been better with the classic, uh, with the classic operatic solo. Laon and Una floating. I thought that was something that cuts off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We, Sorry, Eric. You might have to finish your thought in another, in a, like a separate comment. I didn't yeah. know that StreamYard would like truncate. Yeah, that's, I think uh, that's our comments. first time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it was pretty something. I'm going to, I'm going to say mm -hmm. pretty silly. I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. ascri ascribe that to him. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to being able to listen to the songs on Spotify tomorrow. Yeah. I think tomorrow is when the, the soundtrack is supposed to come out on Spotify. Oh, okay, cool. And cool. other, other digital platforms. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, that's just, this has been really wild. I think a couple of comments from Dan and Michael and Matt. And I think, you know, Charles, we talked about doing a season wrap up later on this year. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to come back around with Matt talking about 26 episodes and Michael talking about taking time away from better plots and Dan as well. I think one of the things we'll probably talk about in our season wrap up is even though they did a lot of experimentation and stuff, even I kind of put in my notes, I'm feeling somewhat of a lack of a cohesion this, mm. uh, this season. And that's not bad. That's not bad. But when you have Pike, his presence was a little bit diminished because of Anson Mouth's real life. I don't feel in some ways like I'm, I'm, 
The through lines in this season have been the love affair with Tapring, Spock, and Chapel and La'an. But we haven't had a through line like a Dominion War or something crazy like that. So I think for some people, when you have a short season and they throw in something like this musical episode, they feel almost cheated. Mm. So I kind of get where they're coming from. I'm not saying that's bad. Well, well, there were... But it's an episodic show. We're not going to get uh, season-long story arcs like we do in Discovery because that's not the way this show is structured. We get ongoing character arcs, and that was not at all interrupted. And in fact, it was deepened, I feel, by this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think these guys are looking more for... well, they just want serious science fiction. Yeah, they, they want, want some serious Star science Trek. fiction. Yeah, I think they want more of that. Well, and... yeah, but goofy episodes is very Star Trek as well. Yeah. That's as sure. much Star Trek as anything else. Yeah, Matt, mm-hmm. Matt and Elaine have been doing their countdown to the third season, and we talk about a goofy song. Remember Leonard Nimoy singing Bitter Dregs and oh, yeah. um, Plato's Stepchildren? <laughs> That's yeah. one of the worst songs ever. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, but... Um, <laughs> oh, really? I, you like it? Yeah, I like <laughs> Maiden Wine. Know. But um, that's a little thing. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, there were fans annoyed back on DS9 when they took a break from the Dominion War and wasted an episode playing baseball. I mean, there's there, there's and, there's always been that sort of feeling. Whenever yeah. Season. And that's but, when we had 26 episodes yeah. per season and they still griped about it. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to gripe about it no matter what. But interesting. <laughs> there's things. Mo, mo, I think I've liked every episode this season. But mm-hmm. most of my problem with the season has been them not doing things I wanted or doing things I didn't wanted rather than the quality of the episodes and, or my enjoyment of the actual Agreed. episodes. Agreed. But I will say that I, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to rewatching this season once it's all complete rather than week to week mm-hmm. and, and knowing from the beginning where the character arcs are going so I can watch yeah. for more of that. Because I think that my feeling right now is they've done a great job of weaving those character threads through all these little adventures. Mm-hmm. And I think the character threads are stronger this year than they were last year, even if there are some other elements of the show that I think they did better last year. I agree. And I think, I think if the character threads they're following don't satisfy you, like they don't me yeah. or some of the other guys, then you probably feel let down. I actually don't feel let down. Like I said, it's funny. I don't like a lot of these plots with Kirk and them, but I haven't hated it. You know, it's one mm-hmm. of those, it's one of those where if you ask me, I go, I would have done that, but I don't, I don't hate it. Yeah. It's it's fine. But but at the same time, as, as Keith admitted earlier tonight, instead of just writing down, I like this song with Spock, he wrote down, I don't like this, this storyline with plot and with, with Spock and, and Mm -hmm. what's her name, but I do like this song. Like, yeah, he had to take time in his note writing to say that he didn't like the, Mm -hmm. Yeah, romantic plot line. Yeah, it's like I told Vandy Beth on Facebook. I to date have never watched the Star Trek series that I hate. There are, as we talk about, especially if you go on Facebook, there are people who hate watch. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, I don't hate Star Trek, and I don't hate even you know the ones I don't love. So that's not really been a problem for me. Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah, same here. Um, Michael Phillips says uh, something. He agrees with Keith about something. Even though I don't dislike the experimental episodes and goofy episodes were rare in classic Trek in a 24 plus episode season. So he would just rather not see him when you only get 10 episodes. Like don't waste time on those. Um, Dan says, I wouldn't mind a musical episode if it was actually a quality one. I probably would have enjoyed a (laughs) TNG musical episode in like the fifth or sixth season. I feel this one was too early. Okay. I don't know if we're going to get five or six seasons. So, I mean, at at this point, they shouldn't hold anything back because there's no guarantees with these streaming shows how long they're going to run. If if you've got an idea you're passionate about, better put it on the screen now (laughs) and not say, we'll get that in season seven because you might not get season four. Fair point. Fair point. So one last quick question, a a plot question Mm -hmm. that we really Mm -hmm. haven't talked much about yet. Since we're getting the the advancement on the on the Corby situation mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. she's going to be going off on a is she going to be leaving the show for a period of time or well, is I mean, it going to is it going to happen between seasons like I think it's she'll happen between seasons or maybe she'll yeah. not be in the first episode or something maybe but that's yeah. what i'm wondering too i think because she said it was a th- it's three months yeah she right. said three months which in the old tv days means after the after the after the break exactly. she'll be back. The, to, now it's going to be more than three months but i mean who knows or this episode could end on a cliffhanger and it could have like it play out differently next season. Who knows? I think so too. And I also thought it was interesting because I, I was thinking, this is a personal thing. I was thinking a super archaeological medicine thing on another planet. Three months is not a lot of time. That would, it would really be more like a year or so. But what you guys are saying, I bet it'll be between seasons and then we'll yeah. get a lot of flashbacks. 
during the next season as, as how may. she falls in love with Corby. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, I, I think that whatever the thing that Corby is doing probably is a long-term thing. She's just there for three months of it. Yeah, I don't think that she's yeah. there for the entire thing. I think that right. she's just doing an internship, basically. Oh, yeah, I agree. I was just thinking an internship on that level. I would think it'd be more than three months for her, I would yeah. think. Well, that's um, all that Corby wants, I guess. He only takes people I, for three months at a time. Who knows? I, I am curious to see what Corby's doing. Because, again, from the original series, Corby and the androids. And there's that whole race called the old ones we always mm-hmm. hear about in Star Trek. One of my favorite episodes of Trek, period, is what a little girl's made of. I'm very curious to see if he's even going to start getting hints of the old ones. I would like to get more about the old ones. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Um, one final comment, and that oh. is Michael Phillips says, also, since the strike has shut things down, this is the time mm. when producers start scraping plans as they are as they scramble to make sure everyone can return next year or the year after. OK, all right. Yeah, I I heard um, I heard on the news today, I think it was NPR News, they said that some of the studio executives are kind of sort of thinking they'll get the strike broken by September mm. because they started talking and then to Gabe. The thing is today, the talks that they are starting right now, the first talks they've had since May. So I'm a little concerned. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's no guarantee of when it's going to end and no. everything's pushed back. So there's no guarantee of when not only production resumes, but you know, completes to the point. I'm just hoping they don't start rushing things to close yeah. the yeah. gap. Because that never yields great results. No. Right. Yes. And yeah, no, right. and no, and please God, no clip episodes. <laughs> oh, God. oh my God. No, no, no. No, no. more. What was Ever. it? State of gray or what? The thing Shades was? of yeah. gray. Shades of gray. Oh my God. <laughs> Keith, um, why do you. Unless it's good, because like Stargate used to have really good clip episodes. Okay, yeah, Stargate did good it's clip possible. episodes. I've never seen a good Star Trek clip episode. Never. <laughs> That's because it's only been one. Really good, but Star Trek, no, yeah. don't do it. All right. Okay, before we go, Dan lets everyone know that author Joe Nazaro is a member of the EST Facebook group and has a book out on Tuesday called Star Trek The Art of Neville Page. Awesome. Oh, nice. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Very cool. Great. All right. Guys, All right. we did an hour almost to talk about a musical episode. Of and Star I feel Trek. like we ran out of time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I could have kept talking about it. <laughs> but we'll, we'll still go back around to a lot of these topics when we do our little wrap up and everything. Um, that'll be later on in the year. In the meantime, Alan, where can people find more of you? Well, how about you go look for my other podcasts, which are Modern Musicology. We just did a we this week we have out an episode um, that tied in with the MTV anniversary. We talk all about the glory days of MTV and we have recorded our next two shows, which is a two part episode about the albums released in 1988. And that was a hell of a year for music. Very transitional. So there was a lot of ground mm-hmm. to cover. So those episodes are uh, one is out. The next two are coming up in the next two weeks. And then I also have another show called Doctor Who A to Z. Go check it out. I, I didn't know that about 1988 music. I always know about 1984. So that's very interesting. Oh, well, we'll have a separate conversation about, yeah, <laughs> about yeah, the 80s cool. and how crazy a time that was. <laughs> All right, Keith, how about you? Where can people have more of you? You can find me on Facebook. There's primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups, Instagram, and X slash Twitter slash whatever it is now. <laughs> this week. <laughs> yeah. And how about us, Veronica? Oh, nerdy.com. Yeah, and we just got our tentative Dragon Con schedule. Yeah. Awesome. Me too. We're gonna we're gonna start having announcements coming out. So we actually got approved for a show that we it was sort of a long shot show for us for the puppetry track. Yeah. Which we're is really excited the about. most ambitious awesome. show we've ever done. Yeah. The puppetry awesome. track thing makes me the most nervous because all the tracks I have fun doing and they're always happy to have us. Right. The puppetry track is like a curated selection of like some of the great puppeteers from around the world. So I'm always <laughs> nervous pitching to them, <laughs> right? And us. <laughs> After they finish, we sneak in. But um, no, we've got a show coming to that track again this year, which is going to be a lot of fun. Our, our show last year um, was probably our biggest turnout show that we did. Yeah. We like hit capacity on the room and they had to turn people away. So yeah. uh, we're looking forward to doing uh, something this year for them. Yeah. Uh, and Veronica, where else can people find more of us? Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. Yep. And we just finished an interview or just posted an interview with the Monkey Men, which yes. um, uh, Ron <laughs> McNeil, who created the Fab Four, which is the world's you know, big, um, be- like the biggest Beatles cover group or tribute, tribute. group yeah. 
has put together a monkeys one called the monkey men and Ron and several of the monkey men joined us on the show and we had a great interview with them. So that was a lot of fun. Yes. That's yes. super awesome. I haven't listened to that episode yet, but I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> um, I got my uh, tentative dragon con schedule as well. And I'm on two panels in the star Trek track. Oh. And one of them nice. I'm on with uh, John Jackson Miller the author nice. that we interviewed last year. So that I can't wait to see him. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right, Veronica, do you have a closing for us this week? No. <laughs> nope. Wow. Oh my gosh. That made All me right. think of that little bit in uh, Tron that used to go, no, yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We go live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Join us next Thursday for the finale of Star Trek Strange New Worlds season. Wow. Eight. That's right. God, yeah. Next week is it, man. Wow. All right. Take care, everybody. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.